0: Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox, The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello and welcome to a spontaneous podcast of The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. We are on location at Warwick's Bookstore. Now you've heard me talk about Warwick's, which happens to be one of our main sponsors. They're located at 7812 Girard Avenue in La Jolla, California. 92037 you can of course reach them online at warwick's.com they are the sponsor of tonight's show uh, where we are featuring matt coyle the author of doomed legacy and if you're familiar with the rick cahill series then you're in for a super treat it's a short spontaneous podcast but i think you're gonna like it let's get on into the thriller zone matt coyle welcome to the thriller zone
1: thanks for having me man pleasure to be here
0: I will admit, and I don't get to do this very often. I don't know your work. I didn't know your work. You're one of millions. (laughs) How did we, how did our paths cross?
1: Harris Orkin? Yes. Okay. I don't even know that well, but um, I'm going to blurb his next book. And he's a nice guy, a good writer. And I mean, I I think I met him in person once, but just kind of the way the business is, you know, people try to help each other.
0: Yeah. Funny thing about Harris, side note, Harris reached out to me one day. I'm like, I don't know who you are. He goes, well, you probably know my dad, Dick Orkin. I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, Dick Orkin? Dick Orkin was the funny guy of the 80s. When I was coming up in radio, he was doing the commercials for all the big Radio Ranch spots. Okay, Brilliant mind. Hilarious. So I, I'm like, you're on the show. And then I got to read his stuff, and he was a ma- magnificent. So I'm glad. Thank you to Harris for teeing yeah. us up.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I am newer to your show. Uh, a few weeks ago, I caught it, and uh, I think you had Bob Grayson. on? Yes. Uh, and uh, so I my publicist i sent her a screenshot and sent it to her and i go this is a target and then like two days later friggin' harris just comes out of the blue and says hey you guys should talk to each other <laughs> Yeah, that's cool
0: that's called synergy yeah i love it well and it's a small world i just wouldn't want to have to paint it so <laughs> anthony award winner That's pretty nice. Here's what I love. Uh, Rumor has it that, and I I was doing a research on all the California thriller writers, crime writers like yourself, and I'm like, okay, well, there's Michael Conley, there's Bob Craze, there's, yeah, James Elroy, as far back as Raymond Chandler, and I'm like, and they're putting you
1: right up there at the top. There was one very nice, maybe a couple nice critiques that uh, say that I'm hanging below this gentleman, but um, those are all people who are my idols, Bob Crace is uh, one of my favorite contemporary writers, Michael Connolly, of course. Um, and Bob is kind of, because Michael blurred one of my books, but Bob has kind of helped me a little bit behind the scenes in ways he doesn't even know. So, I mean, that's just the way we were talking earlier about Harris. That's the way this this mystery community is. People really help each other. It's really cool.
0: Nice thing about Bob, I have followed him for years, and I, I don't know what I was expecting when I met him. He was just so down to earth and so real and so nonsense about everything and which reflects his style and then when i started speed reading your first couple of chapters as i was preparing for today i went like oh wow i can really chew into this guy because that style that minimalistic shred out every ounce of fat elmore
1: leonard minimalism is so great well, thanks. Um, there's another, you know, more Leonard. It's a nice, nice to mention him as well. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny when I go back because I'll be reading tonight or four um Every time that I'm, I read something, I go, I'm editing. I go, why didn't I edit this? You know, I could have cut 15 <laughs> words in the first uh, first page. Um, and speaking of Robert Crace, I heard him say the same thing one time. He, he goes, man, I, ne- I never stop the editing process and I, I completely agree. Isn't it funny that you, and how many edits do you think you go through? Oh, shit. I do... <laughs> My, my first draft is very um, organic, open, wild. I put everything in. I don't care if it's not very good. Um, so I revise probably four to five times. Um, some are pretty quick. Like the first one, I'll slash maybe 20,000 words or something, and then um, fine-tune um, the book I'm writing now, not Doom Legacy, but the next one that uh, comes out next year, I actually am adding in my in my further draft something a little different. But, I, you know, I, I I try not to worry about it. I try not to worry about. Whoops, went the wrong way. I just you've done this before. Keep plowing. But um, yeah, I do quite a bit of revision. Yeah, Yeah. you know it's been said by many great writers that writing is or revision is writing. But yeah, there's not generally it's not a huge like story edit. Yeah, but there's some little little twists here and there. But it's always taken out. Those words that Gilmore Leonard Leonard famously said, the words that people skim over, but you know, it's hard to always find them.
0: I think someone else that does that is probably James Patterson. This is my favorite uh, note that I got. So, Yesterday's Echo wins Anthony for Best First Novel, San Diego Book for Best Mystery, and the Ben Franklin for Best New Voice in Fiction. This is all on the debut novel. I I mean...
1: I got to say the Ben Franklin was a silver. They, they, it was a silver medal, so it was it was like the runner up. But 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 everybody gets that wrong. But I, I can't feel like I can take credit for the, okay for the gold. Yeah. Anyway, I interrupt you in the middle of your. No worries. I think I got that right off your website, so I. I'm not surprised. Uh, okay, and I'm thinking to
0: myself, you know, and this is just me being me. I'm like, you know, I I think I can write halfway decent. I'm like, how does a guy come out of this with a debut, and then I go. Well, what was, he, what was Matt doing? Well, he must have been in school this whole time. He must have been writing, writing, writing. But you had many other careers yeah. at the same time.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a stretch to call them careers. I had jobs. Um, I worked in the restaurant business for 10 years. I worked in the golf business for 10 years. Then I got into sports licensing. And uh, that was the long one. I worked there for 16 years. But I wrote six books while I was working there full time. But you know the reason, and thanks for the kind words. Um, you know, a lot of the awards is kind of luck. But you know, that was—I took me ten years to get published. It took me ten years from writing on a floppy, di- writing on an IBM ThinkPad, use yeah. a floppy disk drive. I call it writing in a cocoon because I didn't know anything about. You know, yeah. I've read the genre my whole life, but I didn't know anything about writing a book. I had chapter one on the first page. I had the end on the, you know, the last page, and <laughs> I thought I'd written a book. I written a first draft, yeah. but. I revised and revised and revised. I took classes. I was in writer's groups. So all that time, all those revisions, all those no's, all those rejections made me a better writer. If I would have somehow gotten picked up earlier, um, wherever my career is now, I don't think it would be on the same level because every rejection, you know, I, had, I, was, I, was, I, was, doing, I was doing the wrong thing, they say, because I, I was writing my first book over and over. And sometimes they tell you, you know, give up. You know, it, you're being rejected by the marketplace start something new yeah. and I just started something new when I was rejected by an agent who was kind of like a C agent that I don't even know if she's gotten stuff published since yeah but uh my mentor is Carolyn Wheat and I sent her the, the rejection it was a very nice rejection she told me where she thought I was coming up short so I sent it to Carolyn and I said should I go one more time with this book and she said 7500 dollars in the manuscript I'll let you know and i did and uh she gave me nine or 12 pages of single space notes and 2 years later i got a i got an agent and then seven six months after that i got a book deal but all that revision made me a better writer you know because you're 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 using the muscle it's for yeah. it, you know you can only get better at anything by yeah. um, repeating it and um it's so easy to look back now because it just seems like a flash but during the during the time there was yeah. a lot of uh, you know i was in sales most of my careers our jobs. Yeah. And uh, so I'm used to rejection, but they weren't, they're were rejecting my company's product. They weren't rejecting stuff from my gut. So, right. but it helps to, to have that background. But um, I'm so thankful for it now that for every rejection, every ignore I got. So I finally had to get to a certain level.
0: What do you think is the toughest thing that most writers face today that they go, oh, like if you could just go, okay, just take a breath be patient and this one thing right here that you're really hating cuz it sucks so bad and it hurts or it's aggravating or it's tiring just get through that
1: and you'll be okay i think you you nailed it in the question be patient yeah and that's the hard thing um, especially in today's world yeah you know, everything is so instant yeah it takes years and years to to develop craft and it takes years and years you know the whole the, the nebulous thing voice yeah um, I didn't have a voice until I, you know, I was probably stealing from Chandler a lot. I didn't really have a voice until probably three or four years in writing that first book. It takes it takes a long time to develop these things, and it's not something you can really aim for. It just comes with the constant writing and revision. It's, nobody wants to hear it, but be patient. And you know, there's plenty of writers. Um, I've known writers in writers group that I thought were incredible writers. But they just quit after a while because it's hard, you yeah. know. Better writers than me. But they quit because it wasn't – they didn't have to do it. I have to do it. I mean, i wanted to do it my whole life. Yeah, it took me 30 years to realize you got to write to become a writer. And then once I finally did, you know, I can't stop. I mean, some days I hate it. Most days I hate it, but it's what I was born to do. But, you know, if you don't have that, man, it's so hard. There's so much rejection. There's so much – I'm not going to say negativity because everybody's pretty – they're not necessarily doing things in a negative light, but there's a, a lot of no's. You have to develop a thick skin, and you got to remember why you're doing it. And you're doing it because you have to, and you love it.
0: Yeah. All right. So before we get you out there to do your gig tonight, let's talk Doomed Legacy, which sure. drops tonight, yeah. uh, tonight being uh, the 15th of November. This sh- this will air a little bit later. But uh, let's talk about that book, uh, since I have not read it, because we really pulled this together on the fly like 48 hours ago. Yeah. So you don't have, have to worry about me giving any way spoilers. Good. But uh, what's the story about?
1: Well, uh, first, quick background on Rick Hills. He's a former cop in Santa Barbara. Uh, about, I think, about 18 years ago, his wife was murdered. He was arrested for the murder. Never tried, released, but never, never exonerated, and thought by many to be a guy who got away with murder. Whether he, he didn't do it, but he feels responsible because of the actions he took the night she died, and so he's carried that um, that cloud for all these years, and he's become a private detective back here in his hometown of San Diego. Couldn't get a job anywhere else, um, and he's got that need to try to redeem himself. So every case he takes, he's kind of this quest for redemption. And in Doom Legacy, he's had hard life, old Rick. He's he's in the last book, Last Redemption. He was semi-diagnosed you can't diagnose this until the person's died with uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy the pro football disease cte yeah Uh, and it makes sense because of all the violence in his life and so he's got that still it's but he he's in a place where he's never been before he's got a he's got a wife and a child a child he thought he'd never have you know his first wife died the woman he married was unable to uh, conceive in her first marriage. And so he's got all that going for him and his life hes he's finally reached the point in his life where he's happening. He's, he's working, um, doing just background checks for a big corporation. So there's no chance of getting injured, you know, getting shot, which has happened to him many times. His wife's happy about that, but he's got this disease. It's going to, his life's going to be shorter, but he's also got a new um, symptom of it, which is, this uncontrollable rage which is a real thing for cte yeah yeah. i happen to know somebody who was with someone who had it and he almost killed her wow and so he's got everything in front of him and then he's got this anger that he can't control it's gonna could blow up his marriage he's kind of hiding it from his wife he's trying to so he just takes off whenever he feels it coming up so but he has a situation where he doesn't hide it well enough and the wife takes uh, the daughter leah or crystal rather up to santa barbara through her family and so rick's back with his dog his trusty dog um midnight back to the family's hat it's not like they've broken up but they she's away for a bit and um he takes a case uh for one of his clients um in the hr department for this um defense contractor but they have a civilian side and a defense side and there's a specific agency um i have it written down but it's not in front of me there's a specific agency in the governmental agency that does background checks for potential employees for the defense side, but on the um, other side, for the civilian side, there's um, Rick does background checks for this company. It's a, it's a good living for him, along with some others. And she has this kind of she asks him to help it help him help her with some. It seems like an inner office politic thing. Like why am I getting involved in this? Right. But he does it because there's sort of a friendship, and he. He doesn't want to piss off somebody who stirs, uh, steers business this way. Right. So uh, she ends up getting raped and murdered and by a serial rapist that's put around in Southern California. And Rick, because when something like that happens, something he knows, he has to get involved. He doesn't feel responsible for this necessarily, but you know, I was working with her when this happened. I have to get involved. So sure. he, he bumps up against the cops, un, unsurprisingly, and they don't want to have anything to do with him. And ultimately... Um, kind of bumps heads with these uh, a very secretive detective agency, a um, mysterious uh, shell corporation, and uh, the defense contractor, and, of course, a uh, meticulous murderer. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the main thrust of the plot, but for me the, the most important thing is always the, the Rick subplot is can he overcome this, these anger, it's not even anger, it's just rage. Yeah. Can he overcome that and can he get his family back together all the while trying to um, solve this murder?
0: One thing, uh, by the way, that was brilliant. One
1: thing <laughs> I looks I felt like I was stumbling over the place.
2: no, no,
0: no, yeah, I'll fix it in the mix. Oh, okay. what I learned, like I said, I went to a an online resource to read an excerpt of your book. You and inside of one page, literally, I did not move the page. I learned. I gathered enough from that, who he was, what he was suffering from, this bond with the child that was magical, the fact that he had a dog. So I was like, I was one page in and I'm in. Oh, cool. That doesn't happen every day. And uh, it happens even less than I say.
1: (laughs) So that was great. Yeah, it's a delicate balance when you're writing a series. Yeah. And this is book nine. For Rick, everything carries over. When I started writing the series 20 years ago. Yeah. When I didn't know anything. um, I wanted every action and bad decision that Rick made had to matter. So the things carry over from story to story, not necessarily storyline, but his his history does. And so the challenge for me is when I'm doing a new book, I don't want to have spoilers for new readers, but I want to give them enough for them to have an idea of what's going on. And I don't want to bore my old readers. Right. I'm glad that you you said that. It, it, that is the thing. I'm like, is it too much? Is it not enough? So it's always something I, I um, think about.
0: And I that that's got to be one of the hardest things of all to do. But you did it so deftly because. I was able to capture his entire world in five paragraphs and I, I was up to speed cool. enough that I'm like, okay, if when I get some free time, I want to sit down and read more of your work. It's, you know, when you're doing two to three uh, a week, it's hard to read two or three books a week Absolutely. and so forth. Okay, Matt, what do you say we take a short break and insert a commercial? Uh, who is a sponsor of our show and sponsoring tonight's? Uh, podcast, which will air tomorrow on Wednesday. Does that make sense for everyone? <laughs> Take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to find out Matt's best piece of writing advice. You know, it's one of our favorite questions here on the Thriller Zone. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back with more Matt Coyle right after this. Stay with us.
2: Hi, I'm Julie Slavinsky. I'm the director of events for Warwick's bookstore.
0: So Julie, tell me what sets Warwick's apart from like everybody else in the country.
2: Well, I would say number one is our customer service. That's our number one thing is that we want to take care of our customers.
0: What's like that signature thing? You know, like when you go to Tiffany's, they have a Tiffany box. And if you go to Macy's, they have a Macy's bow. What's Warwick's little thing?
2: There's not really a thing that's tangible, but it's more how you are taken care of when you come into the store. And we wanna make sure that you have a great experience, whether you're in our gift department, our pen department, or in our book department. Whatever you come in for, we've got something for you.
0: One thing I've always liked about this store is when I walk in, the way you guys make me feel. And that's, to me, one of the signature things. And
2: that's been for generations for this store. We're a fourth generation owner. Nancy Warwick's a fourth generation owner. And as a community bookstore, which is one of our signature things, is that we are a very big part of this community. And everybody loves us just like we love our customers. And we take care of them and make them feel like they're part of the family, too.
0: For those celebrating the holidays, what have you got coming up for uh, the rest of the holidays?
2: As the events person, I'll talk to you about events. We have lots of things coming up. If you're not on our newsletter email, you might want to do that because you'll get notification of all of these things. Just go to warwicks.com and you can sign up for our email. I'm Julie with Warwicks, and we are so appreciative and love the Thriller Zone.
0: Your host, David Temple here. Hey, before we get back to the show, I thought I would throw in this one quick note. I have had authors approach me who want to actually advertise on the show. And I'm like, that's cool. I love that idea. I mean, think about it. We feature the best thriller writers in the world. You're one of the new up-and-coming thriller writers in the world to be. And you have a book coming out. Our rates are super reasonable. (laughs) We're easy to work with, as you know. And we all want to work together to make success for all of us. Just reach out to us here at The Thriller Zone at thethrillerzone at gmail.com. Let's talk rates. Let's talk details. Let's do something together in the new year. I think you'll like it. Now, back to the
1: show. And now, back to the show. Hi, Matt Coyle. I write uh, the Rick Cahill Crime Series. My latest book, Doom Legacy, just came out. And I have the pleasure of talking to David Temple on The Thriller Zone.
0: All right. All of this is a great lead up to the final question I have. I know we've already touched on it, so we can uh, approach it as though we haven't answered it yet. Or you can go, oh, but I got something else for you, David. And that is this. What is your best piece of writing advice? And it it doesn't have to be singular. It can be multifaceted. But so many of my listeners really are up-and-coming writers or they're like, they're they're some of the people that you talked about earlier. They're struggling to find out, do I have what it takes? I think I can do it. I just need that one piece of advice. I mean, I'm finding out that so many of my listeners listen for this one piece right here.
1: Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, For me, it's simple it's you have to write and you have to as I said I 30 I want to be a writer for 30 years I never did it I do it I did it when I was inspired which is good for about three pages for me so you have to get a routine if you can try to write every day which I do when I'm under contract and write when it's hard write when it's easy write every day but read your genre absolutely read your genre that's really important and if you're thinking down the line to, to becoming an author and and what you do, go to book signings, do things like that. Um, go to conferences. There's plenty of great conferences in the mystery community. But um, you have to write. And some days, I, there's nothing easier for me to do than not write. Yeah. And some days I sit there in front of the blank screen and I think, well, you're, you know, your you're husband, you're, you fool people for eight books. But now, you know, that's going to happen. They're going to know that you, you're no good. And I sit there and then I type away a little bit. And generally, it might take 45 minutes, an hour. But some of those are my best days when I just fight through it, fight through this shit and push yourself. And you'll find, you'll find a wellspring of, of ideas you never thought you had. And also revise. Revise every day. The stuff you wrote the day before. It's a great way to get yourself back in the story, and know and, and know that when you're a beginning writer, your first draft is going to be horrible. In fact, when you're not a beginning writer, your first draft's not going to be very good. Um, the great John Lescroix once said, um, "I give myself permission to write like shit when I write a first draft, and I do too." <laughs> and he didn't even have to tell me that; I was already doing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, just right. It sounds stupid, but it's the thing to do. Work your muscle. We were talking about it earlier. Yeah. Um, force yourself. And and if it's an hour a day, that's fine. There's plenty of days, I'm sure, when all of us aren't doing it. But if you force yourself that hour a day, you, at the end, you're going to go, well, you know, I got something done today. Yeah. And you feel better about yourself.
0: I've used this analogy before, and for some reason it works, especially with your background. I think you're going to get it. And I say to my friends, they're like, oh, you want to go play golf? Oh, I suck at golf. Well, when's the last time you played? Four years ago. Okay, well, then you're never going to get good. Get out of my face. (laughs) But if you take a club, any club, one or two clubs, and you just go out there, not an hour, not 30 minutes. How about 15 minutes a day? And you just work on that muscle memory. You're going to automatically get better. Absolutely. Same thing. I'm just going to go out and drive it. I I don't care if it looks bad. I don't care if it whips to the right or to the left. You're you're honing it in. You're figuring out what works. And that's what I tell people about writing. I mean, why do we think... Well, I should be able to get there and write a really great chapter for the first go.
1: Why would you think that? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be terrible. Yeah. Um, But I would also suggest... Getting into a writers group—if uh, you have beta readers, that's fine—but writers groups are fantastic. Beyond having someone else critique your work, you're forced to critique other people's works, and it makes you think more about the, um, you know, what you're doing—the yeah. craft. Okay, Matt, I know you have to go. Thanks for having me, man. Pleasure to be here. They're waving us
0: on. You have to get on downstairs and get ready to do the show. So, thank you so much, folks, for joining us for this impromptu and spontaneous podcast pre recorded at Warwick's in downtown La Jolla. Uh, Thanks again to Matt Coyle and his remarkable book, Doomed Legacy, which drops right now. It's available right now. And I want to say once again, thank you to Julie, the events coordinator, and Nancy, the owner of Warwick's here in La Jolla, California. We appreciate all that you do for the community. And of course, we appreciate your sponsorship of The Thriller Zone. Um, We're going to take on off. We'll see you next time for another exciting edition of The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.